Welcome readers, I am the Accidental Monster and this is season one of Tam Reads. This episode is going to be chapter three of Magitism by Will Brawl. The name of the chapter is called Z's. Like everyone else on the planet, I am glued to my phone. Who wouldn't be? However, in my case, the crash is extra exciting because I know it means I will finally be finding a job. My parents have been on my ass for months to give up trying to put my admittedly foolish set of degrees to use and get a job, any job, that might help pay back the fortune I had wasted at Harvard. In novels and movies, you often hear about people with multiple PhDs. No one is ever masochistic enough to do that. Sure, nothing stops someone from getting a second PhD, but there is almost no reason to do it. That's what postdoctoral research is for. If the fact that I ended that sentence with a preposition bothers you, you should probably put this book down now. I wish I could say that I did my postdoc work because I wanted to further the limits of understanding or contribute to the advancing of the mission of Harvard or some other noble cause, but I honestly just didn't want to deal with my parents and wasting their money on useless postdoc research into the anthropological nature of modern mythologies and urban legends and how they relate to linguistics seemed like a good idea at the time. Goodness, that was a hell of a sentence. See, totally worth 15 years of school. Anyway, here I am. You know, writing this in the present tense is a real pain. I'll let Burning Flames keep doing that, but I'm switching to past tense. Fuck the police. There I was, watching the videos and waiting for the inevitable calls from shadowy government agencies in need of the only expert in the world that's published papers about alien linguistics and the anthropology of crank cryptozoology that isn't themselves one of those cranks. Finally, my dedication to nerd shit was gonna pay off. Oh, and I'm Z's, by the way. No, my parents didn't name me that. I changed it when I came out as non-binary in my first year. I could have come up with a clever way to work my name into this naturally, maybe by talking to myself and using my name, or you'd just pick it up later when someone uses it for the first time, but if you haven't figured it out by now, I don't really give a shit about rules. Oh no, I said you instead of finding another awkward way to refer to you, the reader. As if anyone in this universe cares. I was half tempted to write my whole part of this history in the second person. Give the editor an aneurysm. I trigress. Quadgress? So, the author of this, um, Will Brawl, and I hope that I'm saying his name correctly, because I, I don't even know if I'm saying Z's correctly. I, I'm like, is it Z's? Is it Z's? I don't know. But reading this, I'm not really sure if that character would care whether I said their name correctly or not. Um, but Will had actually expressed to me that, like, this particular character may intrigue me. And, and so I've been a little bit, well, just curious, really. And, and feeling a little bit like, you know, well, it's not quite a spoiler, but there is you know, something to, to look forward to and to be like, hmm, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do, I do kind of relate to this character. I definitely don't have any, any PhDs, but 
if I did have a rich family, I probably would have had multiple PhD. I just would have, I just would have kept going back to school. I loved school. I'll be honest with you. I loved school. I know a lot of people hated school. I loved it. I wished that I could continue going. I just, I'm, I was not in the um, income bracket for that to be a part of my future. So that's not the direction my life went. However, given a, a wealthy set of parents and or family members willing to just continue dumping money into my my academic career, yeah, yeah, that would that that's that's living the dream right there. I'm I'm with them. It, especially when there was like cryptozoology in there and anthropology, alien linguistics. I mean, come on, that's that's a lot of stuff that like it's it seems pretty pretty fun. Not gonna lie. I mean, I probably would have done other PhDs also. Maybe I don't know. I definitely would have done psychology in there, um, but. You know, uh, anthropology, I mean, that's like a hop, skip, and a jump. I know, I know anthropology and psychology are very different, and I know that they seem to really hate each other, but hear me out. If I had rich parents, then I could just continuously go back to school and get PhDs back to back to back. I would have been that person that did both. I would have been that one person that did probably psychology first and then hearing about anthropology and how similar it actually is in like reality but then hearing about how much people like just seem to like have this grudge if you're in one camp against the other I would have been like well I have to know right like I have to know but um yeah so far um yeah we're doing good I like this character a lot <laughs> At the risk of seeming as arrogant as I probably am, if I'm being honest, I was the perfect person for this job. So when Angie, Angela Murdoch, called me, I was calm and collected about everything. Usually I have to leave off a dozen languages I know from my resume because no one wants to see Sindarin and Klingon. You rarely ever need to use Hatties when translating hieroglyphics, Loka. Angie treated the whole thing like a standard phone interview for a job. In hindsight, it was precisely that, but I needed it to feel like I was being whisked away to work on some top-secret alien shit. Like I was going to have a bag put over my head and be dragged to Area 51. What actually happened is Angie said, We came across your resume when looking for anyone with even tangential skills that might be useful in communicating with aliens. I'm sure you might imagine that all the governments had plans to deal with something like this, but in truth, we've all been caught with our pants around our ankles. You have a set of skills that could be helpful, and I am authorized to hire you as a consultant and give you a per diem for the duration of the project. At least until it inevitably gets restructured as people get their shit together. I immediately knew Angie was my kind of people. I told her I was in, not knowing what I was getting myself into, and the next thing I knew, I was on a train. Yes, a fucking train to Philly. Obviously, the ship was too big to move, so the research team assembled at the crash site. Thankfully, the craft was flanked on both sides by parking lots and was just up the street from Philadelphia Navy Yard. I shit you not. 
They had medical and military personnel on the scene in minutes. Step one was bureaucratic bullshit. Badges and photos and signing papers and waiting in lines. So many lines. Apparently, it usually takes weeks to get badged for this sort of contract work. But we were in a hurry, so it only took a couple of hours. I hate getting my photo taken. But even if I loved it, I would have hated the badge photo. My hair should be blonde gray ombre spikes, not green and brown. And while my skin isn't tanned, it doesn't look like I'm about to puke. And those bags under my eyes? I've seen better mug shots. At least my one and only nice shirt looked fine. Okay, so I had to I had to stop again here. I, I don't know how long this chapter is, and I don't know if this is too many times to comment on this character, but I, I fucking love this guy. I think, well, not, not, not guy, guy, like, you know, because they're non-binary, but, like, I am just super digging Zs. I'm loving them. This is, this is absolutely, I, I, I wish I could be this person. This is like my new role model a little bit. Well, I mean, that might be taking it a little far, but, but kind of like if, if this were a, a scenario that I could actually live out, like realistically, yeah, totally. I would love to go this route. This is amazing. I'm loving the, uh, the, the flavor of could give a shit kind of, of personality it is kind of who I am on a on a personal level some of the time. Although, you know, personally, I, I have a, a wide range of personalities that, I, I mean, the, the crass, take no bullshit kind of, of personality is just one facet of. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that Z's is kind of the same way. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Z's is a little bit uh, multiple personality-ish in a way. Not the actual, but, you know, maybe. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that, too. That would be an interesting book to read also. <laughs> Having somebody with DID actually investigating aliens and, and going through all of this. But I don't think that that's where the story is going. However, I, I, I am interested to see what kind of what kind of facets Z's has in store that are behind this this initial impression. I'm still loving the impression though. <laughs> Step two was where things got interesting. Well, at least to dorks like me. There were about a dozen people in my orientation squad. I never saw any of them again afterward, and they showed us our first videos and photos of the aliens. They had two alive, one in critical condition and one inside some biological enclosure when the ship crashed. I keep calling it a ship, but really it was some kind of ship-animal hybrid. It was laid out in four sections. The rear was all biological parts with no internal access, just guts and chunks of crystal. The middle section was perforated with habitat chambers, each one with a hammock and various other furniture grown right out of the flesh of the ship. The front area had what must be engineering and control spaces, and on the sides of the ship creature were two stubby wings like a stingray. 
the front also had a massive metal tooth mouth. Biologically deposited steel. The aliens had undergone autopsies, and there are four distinct types of the main ones, and over a hundred smaller creatures that were thought to be pets or food. This is about to get technical. If that ain't your bag, feel free to skip the following five paragraphs. Biologically, they are partially organic, but don't have DNA. Instead, they have these complex, crystalline grains organized like a manger sponge, which are fractal structures that are difficult to describe, but sponge is a good term for them. Technically, these are quasi-crystals, since they aren't periodic, which means they are made up of non-repeating patterns of different materials and are not consistent throughout. I'd give an example, but if I just said, think of Schechtmanite, you would look at me funny and ask for another example. Then I'd have to embed a chemical diagram into this like it was a textbook. Just Google it or something. They're only partially organic. Their cores are entirely quasi-crystalline shells surrounding chemosynthetic powerhouses that harness the heat of atomic decay from metabolism. I don't fully understand how it works, but essentially they have found a way to carry their own thermal vents around with them. Their chemistry is a lot like the life that lives near thermal vents on Earth. The cores glow by converting some of the radiation into bioluminescence. I guess that's technically self-fluorescence? I'm not a biologist. If you're wondering if it is safe to be near the aliens because they are radioactive, it is reasonably safe. The higher radiation levels don't extend beyond the core due to all the heavy elements in the shell, so being near an alien is like being on an airplane. It would probably be an issue if you slept in the same bed as one every night. Regardless of type, the aliens stand about 6 feet tall, 12 feet with their tentacles, and are composed of a core the size of a 33-gallon trash bin. Surrounded by translucent flesh, an egg-shaped mass a little under 5 feet wide, the longest way. The bodies have between 10 and 20 tentacles that are 3 or 4 feet long and taper from a watermelon-sized girth where they attach to the body to a hand-sized node at the end with three close-packed circular holes in them. Pupils. Every one of the alien's arms ends in an eye. And the arms are mobile like an elephant's trunk is. So the aliens are like giant headless octopuses with too many arms. And all of those arms have eyes on the end. Kind of shit that would make Lovecraft moan. The four different types start with that basic structure. One of the types has organic diamond plates running up each arm and covering the body like scale armor. Another has a modified tentacle that has swollen to big enough to pass a whole core through. We think that's precisely what it is for, too. And the last type is more slender and has bulges at the base of each tentacle, which is full of quasi-crystal chunks of various makeups for no discernible reason. If you were skipping the technical stuff, here's where to jump back in. TLDR is they glow blue, are 12 feet tall, and have a dozen or so tentacles that each end in three eyes. Oh goodness, I'm starting to wonder if I need to start doing chapters within chapters of these podcast episodes now, because <laughs> that was a lot. And it was, it was a fantastic 
info dump. I'm not going to not going to lie that was that was really fun. I had to look up a bunch of words cuz I did not know all of those words, but I did know a lot of those words and some of those words I was actually really interested in learning more about. So fun times there. Um but wow, what thorough description that Z's puts into this. I mean the level of understanding of the biology despite not actually having any real schooling in biology I mean you go get PhDs back to back to back I'm sure they picked something up but the specific flavor of how they deliver the information on top of I just on the back of everything else it, it, it was it was pretty nice it was interesting to read I have a feeling that there are going to be people that will need to read that multiple times or listen to it um, as I read it multiple times to to really understand a lot of what happened in there I myself am kind of reading it multiple times just to make sure that I understand because there was so much it was it was it was it was a it was a big info dump I mean they there was a TLDR and and it did summarize everything for the layperson very succinctly but there's all this other wonderful information that like I don't know that I'm okay with not knowing I'm just saying that's all that's all I wanted to say there. After the orientation, I was shown to the office I was designated to work at. Angie was there, and we met face-to-face -face for the first time. She's a short black woman with a full figure and a very nice suit. The kind of outfit you'd expect a military contracting executive to wear. She even had a pair of Matrix-style slimline sunglasses in her breast pocket badass. Zs, it is nice to meet you. Let's head through security and meet the rest of the first contact team. Welcome to the Alien Research Project, she said, like it was just another Tuesday. We passed into the office, one of those conversion jobs done on a warehouse or hangar or something, and we were brought into a room lined with a long shutter-covered mirror and a massive conference table. The carpet smelled like it had been just installed, but there was no matching fresh paint stench. Seated at the table was, as you probably guessed, the rest of the first contact team. Angie introduced me, and we sat and chatted about nothing in particular, as a few additional people made it in from the badge maze. I could describe everyone, but you're here for the alien shit, and I've probably built enough tension already. There are two survivors from the crash, at least two or more if the pets turn out to be co-workers. One is in serious condition, but our medical teams have done everything they can. The other is unconscious, but relatively undamaged, as far as we can tell. Here they are, Angie explained, dramatically cutting the lights and opening the shutters, letting us see through the half-silvered mirror. Standing on the other side was a very not-unconscious alien staring right back at us. The creature's tentacles jumped a bit as the shutters opened. Clearly, it could see right through the half-silvered mirror and into the dark room. Each of us got at least one tentacle trained on us. 
triune eyes looking into our souls. It cautiously stepped forward and tested the glass. I noticed that some of the tentacles were also looking at us through the wall under the mirror. Sometimes a tentacle would track along one of the other walls. I bet people were walking in the halls there, totally unaware of the alien gaze on them. It didn't talk, and I remembered later that it couldn't speak. At one point, though, it tapped against the glass in a complex pattern. It turned away from us and began examining the injured one I hadn't even noticed until then. That one had a massive growth on it. The egg tube, or birthing junk I had been told about. It was severely damaged. The tube had been almost entirely torn off its body, and it was missing several tentacles. The core inside was glowing, but warbling in and out like a flame. The conscious one's cord glowed consistently. The creature stared at the unconscious one for several minutes before changing stance. The raised tentacles drooped, and some looked back at us like we could help it. It crossed the room and found one of the pets, lifting it and placing it on its body. The pet creature was like a colossal tick, only translucent and with more legs than it should have. They moved together after that like they were reacting to stimulation together or talking, but there was no sound. The creature's movements would have appeared like a dance to me if it weren't terrifying. A sad dance. Eventually, I went up to the glass and tapped on it. This drew clamoring and whispers behind me. The creature reacted to the sound, looking directly at me, but it didn't tap back. It sank to the floor and slid against the far wall. If I didn't know better, I'd say it was crying. Who oh boy. Okay, so now we have first contact and a team of people that we apparently just don't care about because they weren't important enough to describe. We're here for the alien shit, remember? Um, and, 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 and they tapped on the glass and I totally get like, who, who wouldn't really like, I mean, of course you would. The, 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 the alien tapped on the glass in a pattern in a way that nobody understood what they were saying or tapping. I assume it was a communication. Why wouldn't they, like, I, I don't know. My, my brain is still just like, what about when it was tapping on the glass to you in a complex pattern? Wouldn't somebody, like, start trying to, to do the tapping? Like, it just makes sense to me that you would do it there. And if not there, then like, you know, I understand the shock of it. it. It could be overwhelming just kind of watching this alien creature just doing all this. And then there's this one in the background that you didn't even notice until the one like looked at it. Like, and the one, oh my God, just so many things going on in, in that last few paragraphs. I'm just like, oh my goodness poor burning flames right and i assume i forgot what the name of that other one was i have to go back i have to go back and look hungry soul that was that was the other one's name hungry soul burning flames is like right there next to i assume hungry soul who is encased in what i i, I think and i could be getting this wrong but i think it's in, that they're encased in the um 
the 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 tube that was part of communicating with the ship right like that's what I remember where we left off with that I could be wrong I, I I'm there's so much to to grasp and I have a feeling that this is one of those those things where you, you kind of have to reread it a few times to remember all of the things because there's several things happening at once here but poor burning flames right that's that's really where I'm I'm at right now is is that they 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 basically are kind of watching their friend die and and looking at the humans like help us but nobody knows how to help them nobody knows how to communicate what's wrong with them nobody understands their biology there's so much misunderstanding and not understanding that it's just a tragic moment first three chapters we've witnessed you know through the reading two deaths already well i i guess i'm assuming that hungry soul is going to pass on because it doesn't seem like anybody knows what the hell to do for them so i mean man okay so that's chapter three um i'm i'm just gonna keep it here this one was way longer than the first two but well worth it i really enjoyed this 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 particular chapter um i enjoyed the other two also but this this particular chapter i i understand why there was a little bit of uh anticipation put on on reading this one because yeah this one definitely resonates with me a lot well anyway i hope that you enjoyed the reading and responding and i hope to see you in the next one